Welcome to the Reputation Capital Podcast. I am Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on our Reputation Capital Podcast, we talk to guests who have interesting takes on their business and interesting takes on how reputation can impact the way the business runs. So we search far and wide to find people who have attractive accents, actually. That's our, that's our number one criteria for finding guests. Yeah, and today we're, we're talking to, uh, well, we're talking to an accent that is kind of interesting because Jonathan Alfrey has lived in, I think it was five different countries. Yeah, I mean, all, all over the place. For, for my American standards, it's insanity. For your standards, after traveling all over the world, it's probably not as big a deal. But apparently he's lived in the U.S., he's lived in, well, all kinds of other places. Now he's in Taiwan, and um, but his accent is amazing. It's French, so... So he's talking about a whole lot of interesting things. I don't want to give away too many clues today. I think we should just go straight to Jonathan Alfrey. Here he is. Listen up. Jonathan, nice to see you. Nice to chat with you. So uh, where are you calling us from? I'm calling from uh, Taiwan, but as you probably can hear my accent, I'm originally from France. You're an international fellow. Uh, I knew immediately that that's, you know, one of the reasons um, we wanted to talk to you. Yes. Yeah. Randy's been to, what, 130 countries? Yeah, something like that. Still still counting, so. So can you give us a rundown, Jonathan, of all the countries you've been to and the travels you've had? Uh, I'm not going to tell you all the countries I traveled to. That would be a little bit too long, but maybe the only the countries uh, I used to live. Uh, so I'm originally from France, but the last 15 years, or uh, even 60 or 17 now, I used to live in the US, in the UK, in Ireland, in Spain, in Australia, and now I'm in Taiwan for the last eight years. And during those 15 years while traveling and working, I was, I also did business with, uh, but with most of the continents, I would say. 15 years ago, I was doing business mostly with South America and Africa. And the last, uh, seven or eight years, I would say I do mostly business with Asia, uh, Western Europe and North America. Cool. And how have things changed in the last years? Obviously, in Taiwan, they had a good response to COVID and everything, but what's your perception of how the world is shifting and changing? So it's really hard to say from a uh, perspective in Taiwan, is it has been really weird since the beginning because we got the, and now we are in, like in June 2021, we got the first wave in May 2021. That was the first wave of COVID was last month. Uh, the thing is, uh, from January, yeah, the, the thing is, is, it was really weird. I mean, like, uh, so the whole world was shutting down uh, from March last year, but Taiwan stayed completely open, like uh, uh, bars, nightclubs, there's no social distancing. Everything stayed open until last month. As uh, really like nobody, like all my uh, families, friends, uh, business uh, partners, all around the world, nobody could believe me. And we got our first wave really, literally like six weeks ago. So until last month, it was really weird because when we were watching the news from Taiwan, we, we are like, 
we're like the world is crashing, but us, the world didn't change for for, for us. It's where we stayed in in really like we stayed in the normal world for all that time, and we we're just watching the news. We we're like, oh, is that real? We we were not even sure what was we, what we were watching on the news was actually real. We we're like. It's weird because us, the life stay normal, but when we watch, uh, like, I don't know, Guardian or CNN or anything, the world is com- completely collapsing. So uh, now how the world is change is going to change, in my opinion, from what we uh, def- definitely is going to be more and more like remote. I mean, that's, uh, that's going to be a thing. Uh, the thing is with growth hackers, I mean, the company I, I run, we are completely remote for five years, so we, we kind of anticipated uh, this this trend. But that's going to be definitely more remote in a way that not it's not going to be completely remote that people are going to work from home all, all the time. We need to see each other. But it's, it's more like what, I don't know, like the big brands like Twitter, Google, and all those brands, they're going to give the choice to the companies uh, to the employees, sorry, to the employees. Do, do you want to, to go to the office? Do you want to stay home? Or do you want to do a mix of both? In my opinion, it's going to be a mix of both because I like to work from an office or from a co-working space or from a coffee shop, but I also like to work from home when my where my wife is here and everything. So I think it's going to be a mix between both where it's going to be maybe 50-50, around 50-50, maybe uh, two or three days at in the office and two or three days uh, like uh, from anywhere you want. So what does that do to your thinking about how to structure a business? If workers are going to work 50% from home, there has to be different metrics to base their efficiency on and there has to be different decisions made in terms of a corporate premises. How do you see that shaking out? So first, I would say it will depend on the, the kind of industries you work in because there's some industries, the one, or the one I'm working is more like marketing or, or design. Working from home is completely fine. But if you work, let's say, in manufacturing or in a factory, there's no really work f- working from home there. You need to go yeah. to the factory and everything. I think it, it, it might not be so much about... Um, productivity or calculating things with productivity, but it will be more about trusting your employees more and trusting uh, trusting that they're going to do the work and, and give them the time. But I think the, the overall productivity, at least from my, my perspective, it's better when, when people work from home because you, you, will, do, you will do more in, le- in less time. What I mean by this is when I, I work from home uh, or from like a, let's say a coffee shop, it's like I'm not getting getting distracted by I don't know by uh, someone asking me a question here and there or someone asking me for like uh, like a coffee break or anything. And uh, the thing is, I can really focus. And sometimes I can do in five or six hours in a day what I could do in two days in the office almost. I really prefer to work this way. I know. Most of my teams they prefer this way, but I also experience that it's not for everyone. So the thing is, I trust my teams that they work well. But I, I've I've worked with people before; they cannot work well independently. You need to be independent if you want to really work well remotely. And some people they need they need to have a boss kind of. They need to have someone uh, in their back asking them telling them what to do and uh, uh, like almost micromanaging uh, what they do. So I think it's not really about, 
measuring productivity is more finding the right people for those kind of jobs. Some people just won't fit remotes. It's not for them. If they will not like it, they won't be good at it. Uh, so they should do something else. And, and when, if you are a boss, if you want to, your team to be remote, it's not about tracking how much work they do. It's really finding the right people for, uh, for that position, in my opinion. Some people are really good at it. Some people are just, it's not for them. So your, your business is called Growth Hackers. And I guess the first time I saw the term growth hacker, I had to ask around what that meant, but it's become almost used in a way that doesn't mean much these days. So I'm curious what you mean by growth hacker. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I mean, like, it doesn't mean much anymore because everybody's got their own definition. I mean, I've heard, I've heard so many stories, like, uh, I always tell the same stories, but there's some, like, marketers or entrepreneurs, usually, like, young entrepreneurs uh, who contacted me and they told me, oh, yeah, I want to do growth hacking. It's like, uh, you, you're going to put a line on, on, of code on my app, on my website. I'm going to get millions of visitors or millions of downloads, millions of, of users or something. I got again a few months ago someone who wanted to beat Amazon in six months, uh, thanks to growth hacking. And he never made a sale, but he wanted to beat Amazon in six months. And some people they think really growth hacking is magic. Uh, so that's uh, so no, it's not. Uh, first, that's not magic at all. Um, in my opinion, in my opinion, so that's not magic. It's a, it's a process. It's a lot of work and everything. Uh, there's no magic in business. Hard work is uh, it's key. In my opinion, it's my own definition, but honestly, I've heard others. So everybody, uh, maybe some people will tell you. Uh, uh, definitions a bit different from uh, from mine, but from my experience, before doing go cycling, so I started to do it uh, around five six years ago, and before I used to work in uh, marketing uh, marketing in small businesses. So it was in Spain, it was in the US, it was in Australia, it was in Taiwan as well. And uh, when I was working in marketing, I always found at the time at least that I was trying to market a product or a service. And if the product was not good enough, I was going to go to the product department and say, oh, actually, our customers are looking for something else. They want to, the product to be uh, a bit different, maybe having a new uh, feature or something. And the product department was telling me, that's not your job. You're doing marketing, so you market the product we built. And the thing is, I always found, uh, and I, I honestly, I did... I had the same experience in many countries. Uh, it was not only one country. I, I, in many different companies, I had the same experience. I was marketing a product, going to the product department. As I said, it's not your job. You don't have the say on the product. And at the time, I, I was like, it's weird because it's not like as a marketer, you deal with clients. So you deal with uh, the, the final user, but not the product department. So I always, I always thought there was like a, a gap between product development and marketing. And in my opinion, growth hacking is bridging that gap. How does it do it? The goal of growth hacking is not only to grow the marketing or to grow the number of users, it's also to grow or to improve the product itself. How does it do it? So the thing is, you're going to build a product, you're going to market it with like digital marketing, SEO, uh, TV advertising, social media, uh, you name it. And then you're going to gather data, gather feedback uh, from the from the end user. 
And then you're going to tell uh, the product department what to do with that feedback, how to improve your product, what feature to add, what feature to remove and everything. Uh, so the thing is, it's really the, the mix between, I would say, product development and marketing. Some people call it product marketing. I like it. I, I didn't hear about product marketing before uh, doing growth hacking, so it might be the right word. But when I started growth hacking, I, I actually didn't really exist. I've heard people who told me what, what I say is digital marketing, not from my experience. From my experience, work with many di different uh, marketing companies, and usually they don't really have a say on the product. So I think that's what growth hacking is. It's really the mix, like the bridging the gap between products and uh, and marketing. I really like that, Jonathan. But we live in an age where everybody is looking for instant gratification or instant results. Every business wants to have that. You know, they they believe somebody out there has got that silver bullet, that that secret that if they just understood it, that all their problems would go away. I happen to not believe that anything like that exists because. Like you, I believe it's all a, a question of experimentation, testing, working, finding the solution, um, and being patient. But how do you speak to potential clients who are looking for that silver bullet, and and how do you avoid deflating them by explaining that there's there's more to it than that? So there there are different cases. Uh, so yes, yeah, true that some people they want this silver bullet. I always try to be uh, honest and transparent uh, when I speak to them and telling them that it's not going to take to you two months to beat Amazon or Uber or, or any other company. So some people, they will understand. It's Again, it's, it, it really depends on who you talk to. Some people will really understand what I say and really understand that it's more of a process, or it's more of a long-term strategy. Uh, you can have some quick wins here and there. Of course, you can... Uh, there's a few ways to uh, to sign uh, clients or sign new deals or to get some users quickly. But uh, the quick wins, you need to have some long-term strategies as well because the quick wins to get a few clients, if your product or your service is not that good, you're going to lose them. The goal is not to just get clients, is to uh, keep them for a long time, prove them that they're happy. So it's always, it's more long-term gain. And some people I talk to, they really understand this idea that I was working with um, an entrepreneur from Egypt who gave me a good, ana uh, good analogy so that I want to share it with you. He was telling me that in business, you need to be like, uh, like an investor in a way. There's two kinds of investors, he was telling me, it's kind of true. Uh, there's like the, um, when you, you invest in trade exchange, there's like trader, a trader is going to uh, buy and sell every day. So it's like short term, short term, short term. And then there's a, like the long-term investors are going to buy like, let's say, Apple stocks, they, they bought them five or 10 years ago, and, and they're going to sell them in 10 years. So that's the long term. And in business, you need to have both. You need to do both. You need to have some uh, short-term strategies, quick wins, and also have a long-term vision. So you, you need to, to play with both. And to finally answer your questions, unfortunately, when I, when I speak to some people, like I tell them that it's not, you need to have a long-term strategy, it's not short-term. Some people, they tell me, uh, 
yeah, you see too small. I want to be Amazon six months. There's no other way. Uh, so there's just some people you just can't uh, convince, uh, convince otherwise. And also the thing with internet now, you can find pretty much any kind of information you want. And half of it is fake news or, or maybe not fake news, but for example, SEO, every time I, I work on a SEO projects with customers, I always tell them, Oh, it's, you know, it's a long-term project, six, nine, 12 months, because you don't, well, you're not going to rank on Google on the first position uh, within two weeks. It doesn't work. The thing is on the internet, you can find blog posts or books or videos telling you that you can do it. So the thing is, when I tell them, no, you can't do it. That's not how it works. They don't believe me because they say, oh yeah, but look at this article that I found there. It tells me the opposite. So the thing is, sometimes like um, people, because there's so, um, uh, so some kind of contradictory information on the internet, you don't really know who to believe anymore. So I try to be as honest as possible. But yeah, if you don't believe me, you don't believe me. To, you can't convince everyone. So I love, I love the idea that that you said, which is there is no magic. You know, I think that's the that's the the perfect kind of thing that's stuck in my mind and. I think as long as you have a guide or a Sherpa like Jonathan uh, here, I think it's figuring out that who you, who can you trust, what can you what can you rely on uh, in the age of Google. So uh, we like to keep things short and punchy. Jonathan, it's really nice to talk to you. Tell folks where they can find you or uh, hire you or all those things. If you. Um I think the easiest way is to go on LinkedIn. If you go to LinkedIn, uh, my name, I'm the only one with that name in the world, so that's easy. Jonathan Ofray, A-U-F-R-A-Y. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest. You can find my website as well. But yeah, if you have any questions about growth, about entrepreneurship, I'm always open. Thanks so much. Really fun to talk to you. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks, Jonathan. Firstly, let me say I really enjoy your accent. I really enjoy your take on things and I really enjoy your optimism. It's refreshing to hear somebody speak so positively of the future generations. So I really like um, the idea of, um, you know, how you're defining growth hacking and the really just almost the exegesis that you gave of how that came about and Really just fun to listen to you and, and I think really engaging for our, for our listeners to think about their own businesses and, and how they're building their marketing campaigns and so on and all that stuff. Now, as, as our listeners, 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 what's the word? All of our listeners are wondering what we do. So here's an idea. Why don't you go to thoughtpartnergroup.com Take a look at that page. It's going to tell you what we do. Click on the little button on the right-hand side where it says assessment. And I think I got that word right, assessment. Spend a minute doing a quick survey. We'll spend a minute looking at it and send you back a response. And if you listen to this podcast every single day, you might be really interested in our sister and brother podcast. Well, that, what does that make this? I don't know. You, you decide which, which uh, kind of sibling this one is. Uh, but we've got three podcasts where we interview guests and uh, you should be able to find those uh, anywhere podcasts are cooked. So just click the subscribe button and leave a comment if you would like to. 
maybe you think we're idiots and you want to tell us. I'd prefer you didn't. <laughs> I'd prefer you did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Take care, everybody, and we'll say the same stupid stuff at the end of tomorrow's episode. Bye. Bye.